I'm Jasmine. And I'm Erica. And this is Church Days, a call and response to Christianity and the culture. Hey, ladies, welcome back to another episode of Church Days. How's everybody doing today? We Lovely. <laughs> but that's more like it. <laughs> we tied. Hi. For our listeners out there, we're recording pretty early in the morning. Well, it's not that early, but it's it really fast. It's really not that early. But... It's not the time that we're recording. It's what has been occurring like the previous days leading up to recording. Yeah, that's true. We tied. But we here. <laughs> woo woo. And we ready. I yes. talked to my mom this morning and she was like, she was on her way to work. She's like, why are you up? And I'm like, oh, I get up like this every morning. And she's like, are you in the army? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. She said it in my language, which was really funny. And she was like, you act like you're about to go into like a war. Like, why are you up? There's no reason. I'm like, mom, it's okay. <laughs> Coming from someone who used to call me early in the morning when I was in college and I had to tell her, stop doing this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Don't call me. But now okay. it's like the roles are reversed. She's like, why are you calling me so early? Oh, I know. That's cute. Uh, and I and I wanted to talk. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to go into what we're going to talk about today. I'm really excited because we're going to be doing a book review. And it's on um, Bamboozled by Jesus. I'm holding up the book like you guys can see it. But anyway, here's the book. <laughs> um, it's by Yvonne Orji. Um, and I was just really excited to read this because I actually like her a lot. Um, she's just going to give you, I know she is, she's amazing. Um, and just for our listeners, for those of you who um, don't know her, I'm just going to read a little bit about her. Um, Yvonne Orji is a Nigerian American raised in Maryland. Growing up, she wasn't raised to have extracurricular activities talents. She says in her book, the only thing I was good at was making the Dean's List. Um, Until 2006, when she was asked to compete in a Miss Nigeria pageant in America, not having any talents to perform, she began to ask God for guidance. God told her to do comedy. And after some back and forth um, with that, I guess, after hearing him say that, um, she kind of went back and forth with that idea and um, finally gave in and performed comedy. Um, she did pretty good. She didn't win the pageant. She, I think she placed fourth. Um, but after doing that, you know, a lot of doors opened up for her in the entertainment world. Um, and uh, most recently, she was nominated for the for her first Emmy for playing Molly on HBO's Insecure, um, which they just released season five. Um, and I'm really sad that it's their last season because I don't want it to end. And I'm also sad that it's only 30 minutes long and needs to be like an hour long. Anyway, um, she also <laughs> co-stars with um, John Senna and Meredith Hang- Hangner and Vacation Friends on Hulu. She's also lending her vocal talents to Netflix animated show My Dad, the Bounty Hunter, both out this year. Also on the horizon, she's developing a mini autobiographical comedy series called First Gen for Disney Plus with Oprah Winfrey and David Oyelo producing it. So that's really exciting. Yay. I'm really happy for her. She's Um, very talented. Very talented. And I feel like she's my friend in my head now. (laughs) I yeah, like I just I I liked the book. The book is it's broken down in five parts. Um and they are they kind of go through like her life from when she figured out she wanted to be an entertainer and go into that world and the, just her journey throughout it. And the five parts are the burn, the burden, the building, the breakthrough, 
the booked, blessed, and busy, and the bonus. And so those are like kind of where all the chapters kind of fall into place. And yeah, so I kind of wanted to, I guess one of the things that kind of resonated with me, of course, is she's, she's from Africa. I'm from Africa and just our home life was very similar. I don't, I know she's from Nigeria and from Eritrea. We're on opposite sides of the continent, but it's crazy to see like just culturally how our families want to be a part of every single aspect of our life. (laughs) And they have an opinion for every single thing, what you should do, what you should become and how like, you know, they mean well, but they, it's almost like their goals are forced on you Mm-hmm. And um, they don't really consider, you know, what you might want to do and what you might actually be good at. You mm-hmm. know, um, you may not be good at being a doctor. She was, um, I guess she had some desire to be a doctor. And that was also what her parents wanted her to be. They either wanted her to be a doctor or marry a doctor. Somehow uh, they wanted, they wanted mm-hmm. a doctor. Somehow. Doctor in the family. Bring a doctor into suit. Bring a doctor. And, <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah, like it's interesting though, because she makes a comparison to like the healthcare system in Nigeria and how if, you know, it's not the best. And so if you have a doctor in the family, the family looks at it like, okay, at least, you know, there'll be one person that can take care of me. So I get it from that aspect, but also that's a lot, like that's a lot to put on somebody. And, um, she talks about how organic chemistry kind of put that all to a stop because she did not pass organic chemistry. And she was like, I'm not going to be a doctor because this is, this is all the devil. Yep. Organic (laughs) chemistry is. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, how do you guys feel like, um, so let me finish up. So pretty much she had a hard time communicating her decisions of not going to medical school with her family. What do you guys think about, like, I guess, like, how do you guys go about breaking the news to people that you care about and you know it may not go over well? Like, are you guys able to have, like, uncomfortable conversations with people you might respect and value? Mm. I know I do. You you, you do what? I, I, I have a hard time having uncomfortable conversations, especially with, like, my parents. Yeah, I I think them in particular, because like, you know, those are the people that that gave you life and you don't. It's like the tension between like not wanting to do anything to like disappoint them, but also particularly as an adult, it's like I got to live my own life. And I think for my own parents, particularly my father, I think sometimes he has a hard time seeing me as an adult, like he wants to, you know, Mara's his daughter, but I think sometimes he sees me as like this little girl, but like I'm grown. I'm super mm-hmm. grown. I'm paying full bills. <laughs> so many bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's even weird. Like even like as an adult, me internally, it's like, I still have that like feeling as like a little girl, like not wanting to disappoint my parents with my decisions. Yeah. Even though I know that, you know, I know that they want the best for me, but they don't necessarily know what's best for me they have their own opinions of what they think would be best um but because they haven't you know been with me through all of the different like experiences that I've been they've only seen certain things so mm-hmm. they only have like a limited perspective of, of who I am so but it's still hard because you don't want them to be upset <laughs> so, yeah. yeah yeah I mean I find it interesting because like me and my 
family have pretty open communication. We talk Mm -hmm. a lot about a lot, but I find it, what I've found is that it's kind of, it's almost difficult to, especially with parents saying like, Hey, these are the things that happened or that you do that's that have affected me and still affect me. And it's really hard to have those type of conversations. Like, like Erica said, you don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, but also it's like, I, I am my own person and these are my experiences and feelings are valid. Um, so yeah, it's definitely difficult to, to broach uncomfortable conversations. And I know personally for me, I'm not the most, um, eloquent and when, especially when I'm like, might be frustrated. So, um, like saying things in love and saying things that can be received well by the other person is definitely something that's very taxing for me. Like I really Mm -hmm. have to sit and practice and practice in my head. So that with, within itself is like, um, you know, a muscle I'm trying to get stronger just in general, because, you know, don't want to avoid having difficult conversations, but, um, it just really just like, I know how I might say this will completely Mm -hmm. turn the other person off how I want to say it. The Mm -hmm. easiest way for Mm -hmm. me to communicate. Mm-hmm. but that is not the best way for me to communicate. So, so just trying to not avoid, I'm learning now trying to not avoid it, but really like, or sometimes even chipping away. Mm-hmm. I know for me, um, when I graduated from, um, nursing school, my dad had me with my, you know, doctorate in by 28. And I was like, I think I was 24. Nice. when I graduated 23 23 23 when I graduated from college so yeah 23 and by 28 he was like you you know you're on track and I was like what and this and this was said <laughs> to me on my graduation day by the way so this was oh. like on graduation day and I'm like <laughs> I was like I'm, I'm going I have to get my doctorate and I was like I don't want I don't even know if I want to do nursing at right. this point I'm mm-hmm. like you know um and it was six months and I, I mean I love the profession but it's you know it's a lot and I I definitely felt like I was lied to in college because I thought I was going to be making all the money. Hello. Hello. And that was, I mean, it's not the case, you know, like you go into something and you think, oh, okay, I went to college. I did all the right things. And now life does not look like I thought yeah. it was going to look like. Right. Mm-hmm. Or what they kept telling you. It was what they like. kept mm-hmm. telling me. Lying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I find it, I have a hard time, I think, talking to my parents in particular and do you think that just kind of kind of bridge the gap between you know Yvonne's story and and yours do you think that you come in from an immigrant family adds like an extra layer to that because like clearly we all have like challenges and like having these conversations with family but does you know having your family come to America you know to provide a better life is that place like an extra level of difficulty or burden when you feel like I want to deviate from this path that my parents think I should take? I think so. I think because the situation in, you know, back home, of course, you're not presented with all these opportunities and to further yourself, you know, with education is like the main focus, I think. Like that's all I heard growing up. So if I don't take the opportunity that's you know, available for me, like going to graduate school, going to getting a doctorate, then somehow I have failed them because Mm -hmm. those are not things I could have if I lived back home, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, I think deep down, I think that's their main focus. It's like, get married, 
have all the degrees that you can possibly have, whether you want to or not. And, you know, then, then, then we'll be happy. And so I, I found myself um, for a long time and therapy is great because I had to work this out because you, you're constantly looking for like approval from your parents. Mm-hmm. My mom, not so much, but my dad, for sure. It was like, I just want to make him happy. I just want to make him happy. And then that gets old. Cause then you start resenting the person because they're never really living up to the expectations that you have set in your mind. And mm-hmm. so at some point, I mean, clearly I never went back and got my doctor or my master's. Cause I'm like, I don't really know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have other goals. And so it took a while to like, kind of break that, you know, that cycle of, you know, maybe I should just do this to, to, because I see everybody else doing it. Well, everybody else around me is going to get their master's. Let me go ahead and do that. And then I wouldn't be happy. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I definitely think that um, culturally that definitely played a role from, from me. I don't know about my siblings, but I know I definitely felt it Mm -hmm. um, growing up. Um, So um, I know we've talked about like strengths and weaknesses and she kind of goes into like playing, playing your position, staying in your lane. Um, what, <laughs> what do you guys think are some of your strengths and have you ever like deviated from it and tried to do something that you knew you weren't really good at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. There was a, a time where, this was like right after I graduated from college. Somehow I got wrangled into attempting to sell Mary Kay. Oh, mm. selling things is not Mm-mm. at all my strength. Um, and I quickly stopped <laughs> because <laughs> the thing about me is if I ask and I get a no, then that's it for me. I don't have right. like, you know, like the telemarketers, you tell them no, and they're still going to keep you on the phone for another 10 minutes. I, you tell me no, I'm like, okay, we'll have a nice day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that quickly let me know that any type of like sales is just not, it's just not where my, my ministry is. <laughs> that's funny. That's hard. <laughs> sales is hard. Yeah. I that's don't even so- want to ask you the first time. That part. <laughs> that part. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to have thick skin. I think those Mary Kay people, they like the people who are really into it, they win like cars. Don't they get like a pink car? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like yes. that. That's what's up. Yeah. So shout out to those people because I'm right. definitely not um no. I don't know. I mean, I guess I do real estate, so it can I guess but that's different because people are already wanting. They, they do. There's a pro- yeah. They're coming to you, and they're kind of already in that state of mind. Like I mm-hmm. need help, and I I want this kind mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah, it, yeah. I guess yeah. I definitely couldn't just be out looking for people though. That'd be a little hard. And I feel the same way. Like in my job now, like sometimes we do like tabling events for students. Like if students come up to the table, I will engage. I'm not going to be the one to like try to flag students down and talk to them. Hey, come over here. One of my other colleagues, he's he's great at that. He will be out. Hey, you come over here. Stop people in the middle of them walking. No. I'm just going to sit here and mind my business until someone <laughs> approaches me. <laughs> yep. I feel that. <laughs> Absolutely. There was one part of the book that I thought was hilarious. It's in chapter three. And it made me think of you, Erica. Oh, gosh. What? <laughs> so her mom, so she had a little Kim CD and her mom finds out 
because she get. I think her uncle tells on her. Um, but her mom like breaks the CD in front of her, like oh, tears yeah. it apart, takes a hammer to it. Oh, hammer! And I was like, yeah, whole hammer. And she, then she like you know um, gets another CD, gets her cousin to like burn it on a, another blank CD, and she writes on it and she puts algebra notes so her mom never knows <laughs> that's funny my parents threw my sister's uh little kim cassette out the window and then th- i think it was a cassette and then like drove over it <laughs> <gasps> so dramatic oh my god <laughs> oh lord that's, that's so amazing good. that's funny that's how everyone that's how the parents felt about little kim <laughs> Jeez. I mean, well, she, I mean, compared to like what people are saying now, I'm like, she's not even that bad. I know she wasn't that bad comparatively, but well, maybe it's just there's so many more of them. Fair. She was like, not there weren't that many women pushing the boundary that way, no. but now mm-hmm. like everyone does it, and it mm-hmm. just that's a whole nother topic. So okay, yeah. no tangent there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought that was funny though, but um, one of the things she talks about is like receiving constructive criticism, especially in an industry where like you are going to be compared and, you know, be put in like this box of, you know, what they think your mold is, like how, how, how they want to mold you, what they want you to look like. Do you guys um, struggle with receiving like cr- um, critiques and constructive criticism? And like, how have you guys um, handled that before, maybe like in your work life or personal life? Yes, I, I struggle with it mostly because I'm a perfectionist and I want to be perfect on the first try. And so, um, and I'm also, because of that, like my hardest critic, my harshest, my own harshest critic. So whatever you're going to tell me, I already probably like went through over and over and over in my head already. Um, and like probably beat myself up mentally about it already. So Mm -hmm. by you telling me what I already told myself 14 times usually doesn't make me feel better or doesn't Mm -hmm. make it feel constructive because I already like beat myself up about it. So that's definitely something that, um, you know, I'm personally working on, but I do, there is a big value in, you know, learning and growing, especially from people like I'm much better from people that I, that I know care about me. Mm-hmm. And that I know um, only have like my best intention. Mm-hmm. And um, you, most of those people already know how to like communicate those things with me. So <laughs> um, in a way that I can better receive those things. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not just listening to anybody. That's fair. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. I don't care about your opinion, but like not everybody's opinion. Yeah. 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 I think the delivery definitely matters because you can say something have a critique that is valid but if you say it just very like bluntly and like not take into account like the person's feelings who's on the receiving end like they're just gonna shut down and I then when I say they I mean me um, <laughs> I right shut right, down. right. Mm-hmm. um but what I've tried to start to do is to get in the habit of like asking for the critique because I think when I ask and I'm expecting it. It's a little bit different than if it's just kind of coming, coming at me unprompted. Yeah, um, yeah that's yes, yes, yeah, that's good. So like mm-hmm. even with my with my students, um, who I guess kind of I, yeah, I'm their supervisor. I mean, it's not kind of. I actually am their supervisor. <laughs> Asking them, you know, 
is there anything that you feel can be improved? Is there anything that I could be doing to better support you? So when one, it gives them the opportunity to, to voice that, because I think mm-hmm. that's also important because they could be feeling things about me and the way things are going and just holding that in. Um, so, you know, providing the opportunity for them to to voice that openly because I'm asking for it. And mm-hmm. if you don't tell me, that's your fault now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then also just me preparing myself, like they could say something that I don't like, that I disagree with, um, but now I'm, I'm ready to to receive it. Whereas if they just said, or, or, or someone that's supervising me, kind of me out of the blue, it might've caught me off guard in a different way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That makes sense. I, um, I think I agree with both of you in, in that sense, though. I think um, depending on who it's coming from, like if I value you, I think I'll might be hurt, but it won't last. Um, and then if I don't know you and it comes at the wrong time, like I had I had someone tell me they thought I was mean, and I was like, uh, OK, I don't think that. So maybe it's because you're mean. So I just dismissed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um I think, you know, I think it matters who, um, who's telling you and when they're telling you. And because um, everybody don't got your best interest at heart. No, Some people are just like purposely trying to cut you down mm-hmm. or they see um, you like on your come up and like are trying to like put seeds of doubt in your head because they wish that they could, you know, have your courage to, to step out and take whatever risk or they want to be doing what you're doing. One of the things she says is. um opinions are like booty holes everybody has one well <laughs> well she's not wrong she's not wrong she's not wrong <laughs> um, she's not wrong what do you guys think is your your um special sauce she calls it black girl magic well can you tell us more about what she's talking about <laughs> so it's like um she compares it to like what makes you you like your authentic self what you bring to the table that nobody else um has so if like you're you know in a group of friends like I can probably point out some things about the both of you that I think is like unique to you oh this is a fun game okay go for it so (laughs) (laughs) I think I value the most like so in Erica like you have this ability to um you let you don't like let things like absorb you like, especially like, like you just said, like from people who don't matter, like, you're like, you know what, this is the way the person is. I'm cool with that. I can keep it moving. And you kind of like disconnect easier without it, like affecting you. I can't do that. Like things bother me and I'm going to absorb it and like try to understand it. And it's probably going to drive me crazy. Whereas I think you let go of things that don't serve you much better Mm. than I do. Um, Jasmine, I think you have like you're like, because you're a perfectionist, I think you are like, whenever you present something, it's always like to the best of your ability. I'm not a perfectionist at all. I'm (laughs) like, uh, oh, well, okay. This is what I, I don't, I'm not trying to like compete or I just kind of like march to the beat of my own drum. And I'm like, if it's not perfect, it's not perfect. I guess somebody else will tell me like what I need to fix. I'm just not driven that way. I've never Mm -hmm. been, I don't know why, but I try We're all different. So it's like, there's like little bit, little bit. I wish I was more like that. And I wish I was more like that in that area. So I feel like mm. those are, those are things that like, I kind of pick up on, on the both of you. But oh, I was, I sometimes sweet. like want to shake you. I'm like, don't be perfect. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Erica, no, I... Erica, this should matter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, no, that's just who you guys are. So, you know, I feel like that's what you guys kind of bring to the table. Oh, okay. thanks, Melina. Oh, my turn. Um, so... <laughs> oh, you snort. <laughs> Um, so one thing I really appreciate about Melina is just her optimism. She always finds to see, seeks to find like the good in situations and people where I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) where like she said, I will like shut, shut it down and let it go. Like she consistently is like looking for like the silver lining and the bright side. And I think that's really, a really great quality to have, um, to balance out people who are, you know, more cynical like me. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate that about Melina. And similarly, Jasmine, you just seem to, the vast majority of the time, just have so much joy that you just bring into a space. So um, I really appreciate that because many days I feel very much like Eeyore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just, I feel like Eeyore is a lot of the time my default. And I'm the type that the people are around me, like, I kind of adapt my mood to the people around me. So I just really appreciate your your very just joyful spirit that you bring oh. to the space because I feel like that brings me up a lot. So yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Y'all nice. I didn't know everything. <laughs> I'm like, I just wasn't prepared for this. So I don't have my tissues. I'll cry later. Um, <laughs> so Melina, very similar to Erica. I just I your heart. I appreciate your heart. Oh, like you thanks. Really- like, I don't know how intentional it is, but you just really make it a point to connect with people mm-hmm. and like see people like you see them, like you want to know them. You want to know their heart. And like, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that because for me, I'm like, oh, too many energies. Oh, sit down. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to get that close. It's too many feelings. I'm not into it, but I appreciate that. And you're just always uh, your ability to connect with others in a, on a deeper level. That's awesome. And so that's inspiring yes. to me. And then for Erica, I just appreciate your, your, your like steadfast, steadfastness and your like ability to not be reactionary. You, cause I am, I am, I am a fire cracker and <laughs> very reactionary, but Erica is so great at listening and, and like letting people have their space to, to emote and communicate and Mm -hmm. then in a very very great way like so eloquent be able to deliver her opinion back with no type of like no change in face no no head snapping no eye rolling no no cursing it's great and I'm Mm -hmm. like wow I just need a I need some sprinkles of that (laughs) calm down Jasmine it's listen it's I love it yeah, it's very graceful. You're definitely it like is. I. They go high. Wait, we. Yeah, they, whatever they Michelle go low, said, we go yeah, high. Whatever Michelle like, said. Yeah, what Michelle said. You know, and, and I'm like, I can't do that. Sometimes I'm no. just like, no, I'm gonna meet you at your level. I'm coming. I'm coming back. Fight fire with fire. Let's go. Yeah, that's fair. No, I'm like, uh-uh, we're gonna be down here together, right? <laughs> <laughs> Will you go low? I'm gonna go lower. Lower. Right. right. How low can you go? Hey, right. I'm gonna be petty or whatever. Go. Ludacris said. Right as I say, Luda. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh that made me less tired that's nice right oh, yeah. yeah so that's everybody's special sauce that's Yay. Cool. That's what was a special sauce 
Her special sauce was um, having the ability to encourage others, connect random dots, pay super close attention to details and cultivate relationships. So a little bit oh, of all our just, special sauce. I just, yeah. heart, I just love that. I was like, oh, she's like a she's friend a, I want to have. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would totally hang out with her. I would. Oh, she seems so totes. funny and just so, just so real and, you know, relatable and stuff. I love it. Um, so some of the chapters kind of, intertwined with one another and one of the things i know me and jasmine talked about this recently so this is the third time you're going to hear this jasmine Uh -uh. i'm excited because three times is good um (laughs) (laughs) but she talks about just like testimonies and i know we've all like been in church settings before and Mm -hmm. heard people's Mm -hmm. testimonies i always cry i'm like this is what they wanted this is they're trying to make me cry and feel Mm -hmm. all this but um, she loved hearing people's testimony and she used it as kind of like fuel to mm-hmm. empower her to know that like God, if they did, if God did this for them, then he can do it for me and I can mm-hmm. one day do it for someone else. And mm-hmm. one of the things she talks about is like um, she needed a car. Someone told her about a testimony that they were given a car and she was like, where does one person have to be in life to just give a car away without the expectation of a profit like just here have the car I don't need it anymore Mm -hmm. and so um she was later on able to do the same thing for someone else once you know her career took off which which I thought was just great because she you know God used her to become a testimony to someone else um but she was really good about like writing things down and I think it's like somewhere like the end of the book like chapter uh 20 something um, she was wanting to buy a house and she kept like, you know, losing um, the bids that she was putting in in the, in the LA market. And she ended up writing a long list of what she wanted because she had a deadline. She wanted to be in the house by Christmas. And um, she wrote a list of 34 things that she wanted, like very detailed. And it's in the book. I won't like go through all of them, but it was detailed from like the type of appliances she wanted, where she wanted the bathrooms, like everything that she wanted. And she ended up getting the house right before, I think it was in December and she got 32 out of the 34 things that she wanted. Oh my God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I was just like, wow. Like, you know, just to see that, like, you know, putting the intention, um, setting your intention and your vision and then writing it down and, um, the scripture, let me just find it. It's Habakkuk 2, 2, I think. Where is it? Hold on, let me find it. Uh, where it says, you know, write down the vision, make it plain. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, have you guys ever done, I've done this. And I, so I know it works. And I told Jasmine before, I was like, just write it down. Just write it down. It's just, I was wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at me like, well, okay, whatever. I'll write it down. But writing things down, like, does you know, you start to see, you start, I -hmm. guess like in a weird way, you start working towards that and things start coming into your life that you probably don't, you know, focus on because you're busy with everything else. So you're not looking at like, oh, this door opened up and you just walk through it. But to you, it's like, it just opened up. Right. You Mm -hmm. never really set the intention, but did you start writing the list? I did. So that's what I was trying to try to pull up for was my 2020 vision. 2022. Oh, nice. I'm not going yeah. backwards. I was like, let's not go better. Nope. I uh, know. I already <laughs> have my word for 2022. This is like the first time I've ever g- gotten a word like before the day or, you know, first week. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I usually, yeah. usually just kind of like made it up. But like I actually 
was like really asking the Lord, like, what should this year, what should next year look like? What should next year look like? Um, and already gave me the word for like invest or so. Mm. Um, and then like literally the next day went on just, you know, the Bible app, the, the, um, and the story was about, um, you know, how, like where the seeds planted Mm -hmm. and like, if it's by, um, by the thorns and like Mm -hmm. having it sowing in a good foundation foundation that was literally the next day. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, girl. Uh, okay. And then, so then I've literally slowly, but slowly and surely been getting just like different, like add this down, add this down. So I've been starting to jot things down Mm -hmm. thanks to Melina. So I didn't completely not listen. (laughs) 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 It just, uh, moving slow. Yeah. I didn't completely not listen, but when I got the thing, I was like, oh my gosh, Melina said to write it down. So let me write it down. So instead of dismissing like that's, that's cute. I actually wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really, it sounds really childish. When I first heard it, I was in college and my um, one of my best friends was like, oh, you know, she told me something about someone who did it and mm-hmm. how everything that they wrote down came true. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it. And I literally, y'all, kid you not, before I graduated, wrote a list down and I still have it somewhere because I don't throw anything away. And it, it, everything that I wrote down came to pass, like awesome. in a weird way. I asked for a certain car. I got that car, like everything that I wanted came came to be. And then I started doing it not as often as I should, but, um, I've, I've seen it happen. And so, you know, you're able to, I guess, thank God when, when you do see those things, you have the, those moments when you're by yourself and you're like, oh, wait a minute, didn't I pray for this? I also pray for other people when the things come true too. So it mm-hmm. works both ways. Cause absolutely. I got all types of people in my book and stuff always works out. So that's great. Did you mm-hmm. put a million dollars next to my name? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because my sister, <laughs> my little sister will call me and she's like, oh, did you dream about me? I'm like, no, I have not dreamt about you. It doesn't work like that. I was like, <laughs> I don't make things happen. I was like, That's I get funny. little like nuggets and I act on them. So I was like, I'm not Cleo. I'm not like. No, call me now. <laughs> call me now for your free. Like, that costs $29.99. Like right. <laughs> um, but That's funny. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's just weird for me to like write things down. Um, and so it's just, you know, developing a new like muscle and yeah. habit. Cause I, cause this is how my brain works. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to go into too much of a tangent. So it's like, if I write this down, what if I change my mind? So then I like, so mm-hmm. then, and then it's like, and then what if that's not really what I wanted or like, um, Am I steering God down the wrong path? Oh, I go like, I go on a whole complete like brain crazy spiral. Um, but I think just releasing that and being like, Hey Lord, these are the, my ideas, but obviously your idea is the one that's going to trump all the things. So like mm-hmm. you handle it. Um, that's it's the control. It's the perfectionism and the control. Yeah. Gotta she compares go. it to a bag, um, in the later chapters where she's talking about like, um, she ended up tithing her rent money. Um, this is like chapter nine, I think. Um, and she believed that God would provide and her, ba- <laughs> she says her check bounced like two big booties at a strip club. Like, <sighs> yeah, it was hilarious. But anyway, God, God ended up providing in, in a way where she gained, um, a roommate who would later become a writer on season four is insecure. So 
her check bounces. She has a roommate. They're about to be evicted. And then she gets a call from someone who needs a place to stay. So that person ends up moving in. She gives up her room, sleeps on the sofa. And then that, that summer is when they started filming um, Insecure. So Mm. the girl that was rooming with her that came in was a writer. The other one was, um, she worked in the entertainment world too. And she ends up getting nominated for her job. Um, the girl ends up becoming a writer on season four. And then, you know, Yvonne is on Insecure. So like all their careers, like within a year, kind of like took off mm-hmm. when they were all just roommates. I wonder how old she was around this time. Yvonne. So she was, so I think she's 37 now. Um, when this happened, when she, she was it, season, the pilot was shot in 2015. So I think she was like 31. Like I, that's gotta be difficult. Like I think about, I mean, I re, you know, went back to school around the age of 30, but knowing that when I come out, my career is automatically advancing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but to be like couch surfing and in and out of homes at that age, especially coming from the culture where like, she would have been a doctor by then. Um, that's gotta be like, so faith-based like that. you really have to be, um, at least like really trying to stand firm on what God has said to you and like Mm -hmm. really believe in yourself. Like I could not imagine like, yeah, uh, -uh, I couldn't imagine that. Yeah. One of the things I liked about, you know, nursing and what probably drew me to it is that I would have a job right out of school. I didn't have to Mm -hmm. like go searching for one, but it's funny because in the beginning of the book, she talks about how when she finally, cause she, it took her a long time. Y'all she went and got a master's degree. She went and did like, um, she went and was a missionary just to no. avoid telling All her right. parents that she did not want to go to med school. So she prolonged no. it for a while and then finally broke down and told them, but her parents actually told her you have eight years to make it. And she ended up making it in seven. Wow. All right completion. now. Year of completion. So, you know, yes. it, I think, yeah. Like, so I was like, oh my God. Like, so her, the agreement, I think with her parents were like, okay, in eight years, if you haven't made it the way that you want to make it, then your option is to either, because that's how long med school would have taken her in residency. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that was their compromise. I think her parents told her she had to marry um, a doctor at that point. <laughs> they were kind of like <laughs> arranged marriages. I don't know, but uh, I believe it. Uh, <laughs> so that, yeah, but she ended up making it. So it was a seven year span from where I think she like finally told her parents and was like really seriously, like trying to do this. And she gave it her all. It wasn't like, you know, I'm just going to try this like halfway she was like putting in all of her time and energy and extra cash that she had into like her dreams. And so it's really inspiring to read that. Um, but I, I just, I, I like how she talks about like just being able to surrender like your frustrations to the, you know, to his holy imagination, because it's always bigger than what you could envision for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you might want a house, but what if you got like a mansion, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Ah, good stuff. That is good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Chapter 11 is probably my favorite because of the title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fear is food poisoning, but regret is herpes. What do you guys think about that? (laughs) I want neither of these things. (laughs) (laughs) I read read one of the interviews where they asked her about the title and if she felt like it was offensive to people with herpes. (laughs) 
All Why right. is everyone getting offended? Because we live in a cancel culture. We'll talk I about can't. that later. <laughs> oh, that would be a cool episode. Bookmark that. Cancel. Right. Cancel there we culture. Go. Yeah, but... Uh, uh. So, yeah, and, you know, it's funny because she, her response was, like, we don't, nobody wakes up, even people with, unfortunately, who have, you know, herpes, they don't wake up one day saying, I want it. Right. Mm-hmm. Have, I want, you know, and, and in the same way, you don't wake up saying you want regret. Mm-hmm. And so that's her comparison with why um, she titled, you know, chapter 11 this. But, um, I mean, it's one of the things she says that I thought was really cool was, um, uh, the more you outsmart it, the more it releases its grip on you. And she's talking about fear. Regret is something else. Regret never leaves you. Regret looks like anger, frustration, or even depression. Um, she has a fear of one day not being funny, but she just turns that fear into saying, well, until that happens, I guess I'll just be funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but have you guys, um, do you guys, I guess, I don't want to say, do you have any regrets? Cause I hope that you don't, but um, what does fear look like for you guys now at the, I guess, procrastination? <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. You? Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like Absolutely. you're always on top of stuff. Okay. Uh, I feel like I do a good job of, I mean, I, I do what I need to do. Things get done. Um, a couple of things do, but she always get it done. Shout out to, to Aubrey Graham. But <laughs> um, when they get done is a whole nother situation. Because I definitely, when things feel really big and large and like weighty to me, I put them off till like I can't put it off anymore. So That's fair. procrastination is a lot of times how my fear manifests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dr. Anita Phillips actually had a good episode on like fear and she was talking about how like fear can manifest itself and it's usually with anxiety and perfectionism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there was another one um but like you know all the things that I have and um (laughs) (laughs) um, and so uh really like have me like stop my tracks and like okay so what what am I afraid of like what truly Mm -hmm. am I afraid of And, um, so yeah, my, my fear definitely shows up in all of, like I said, anxiety, perfectionism, sometimes procrastinate procrastination. If things feel too big or too heavy for me, like avoidance, I was just like, I can't deal with this. Um, yeah. And I, and it's interesting. I know there's that one quote about like, you know, people aren't fair as afraid of uh, this is completely like, uh, whatever they call it, sub quoting it or whatever, but, um, people are are most afraid of being like powerful and like successful and, and what's that, you know, that one, oh, I think your deepest fear. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Coach Carter, Coach Carter talked him, about what is your deepest fear? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. He went and maybe he did the Googles. No, back then it was probably Ash Jeeves. No. <laughs> probably Ash Jeeves. So he asked Jeeves and he found that Marianne Williamson quote. Yes. What is your yes, poem? What is your one. deepest fear? Yeah, where you're is powerful it? beyond measure. Right. That one. For you're not to be fabulous and wonderful. Your light shining. I'm paraphrasing. When right. you shine your light, you subconsciously give other people permission to let their light shine too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the, the gist of what essentially come up. <laughs> yes. Yep. And so I mean, I definitely don't mind like I I definitely hate failure like I'm afraid Mm -hmm. of failure but then I'm like that other side of like what if all these things like Mm -hmm. 
I, my mind is blown. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. So really just like unpacking that with God mm-hmm. um, lately. Cause that's like been a new, newer revelation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, but I agree. I like her quote, risking it is far better than regretting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many like just highlights that she points out that she went through. And I just, the main focus is just always, regardless of what she saw, there was a bigger plan behind. And mm-hmm. like what you don't see God doing is, is always bigger than what you, you do see in front of you, even if a door shuts um, knowing that God like is working something and orchestrating and, you know, something for you to benefit later on. And your only job, honestly, is just to believe that he is able. And if you stay faithful, he'll meet you where you are. And usually it happens, you know, when you break down um, and mm-hmm. you kind of get to the end of yourself, because at that point, I think, um, you know, who who else can you give the victory to? And I think that's where God kind of wants us to finally get to, like, he wants you to get to the end of yourself so that you can know that it was all his doing and, um, and give Mm -hmm. him the credit. But, um, she broke down in 2014 on Sunset Boulevard and (laughs) had a broke down car broke down, like like, emotionally down emotionally. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she just kind of, I think that's where she kind of got to the end of herself and was really frustrated, but she began working on what, you know, God told her like, what's in your hand. Like I gave you this idea, which was a TV series um, called first gen, um, which talks about a Niger- pretty much like her experience as a Nigerian American um, with immigrant parents and the things that, you know, go on in her household. And um, so she started writing um, it um, in October of 2014. Um, she finished it in November, 2014, got the money to um, raise, uh, started raising money for the trailer in December, shot the trailer in February of 2015, um, released it um, in April, and then it goes viral in May. She connects with some um, executive producers in June 15. It's pitched to networks. um, And then she starts auditioning in July of 2015 for Insecure and books the role as Molly in August of 2015. So all within a year of her breakdown, it's like her life takes a dramatic change and her mm-hmm. career, you know, takes off. Um, first gen is something that she's um, working on currently with Disney plus and Oprah Winfrey. And it was actually, she presented it to Oprah Winfrey on for the own network, but it was rejected and Oprah wanted to back her on, on her own outside of the network to help her get this out. Cause she felt like it was just what her daughters in Africa needed to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's crazy how, like, you know, there are people, you know, there are things that are lining up that you can't really see. And if you give up, you know, you won't ever see those things come to light, but, um, she ends up, so five years later, she does insecure. And then she, um, on the day that she finds out insecure is taping their last, um, season is when she finds out that Disney plus is picking up first gen. Oh, so it just all came full circle. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so cool. You know, so what she started in 2014 is now coming to pass in 2021. So really cool. Don't give up. Yes. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Makes me emotional. I like this. Um, I guess one of the questions I had was, um, do you lose your mind in the not yet seasons and the seasons where you feel like 
things are not happening the way that you would have planned. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. You lose it all. Yeah. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's so especially frustrating because you want it, especially like, I feel like our culture now is just like a very much right now, crockpot, microwave, instant mm-hmm. gratification society. So, I mean, in theory, you know, like you, things take time and you have to work hard but like you still want it now and you get frustrated when it's not happening as quickly as you see it happening for other people or as you think you see it happening for other people or as you think it should be happening for you so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I um she wrote something that said peace be still not peace be hustling I feel like we live in a hustling um, that world now and mm-hmm. like hustle. everybody's like grinding hustle. everybody's hustle. doing something oh, and close mouths don't get fed on this boulevard and saying that um that is Rick Ross okay boss. of course it is of course it's Rick Ross <laughs> the boss. oh I love him um rub his yeah <laughs> I want to eat some wings with him and I don't even eat wings, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, like we live in this world where like, we, if you're not doing something, then you're not doing the right thing. Like you're constantly like having to be on like this. And sometimes you're like, hold on, not Rick Ross, Ace Hood. That's why I got it. Right. Yeah. I was like, I didn't (laughs) think it was Rick Ross, but I didn't know. I thought it was Rick Ross. Was he featured on that? He was a, he, what song does he had? No, there was another song. What Pete Payne was on that one too. Yeah, Asa, wasn't he? Yes, I was like, who is one of these people? I feel like that's wrong. <laughs> I need to Google that. No, I'm thinking of um. Oh, hustling, hustling. is what I'm thinking of. Every, Every day, day I'm hustling. hustling. That is real. I, like, I, I know he got. I knew he had a hustle song. See, there's just yeah. so many hustle songs. So I mean, about hustling flow. <laughs> there's a whole movie, hustling <laughs> flow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, y'all are funny. There's out here grinding with grinding, DJ Khaled and all which, of them people. Which we need not to do any of because we need to just sit down sometimes. I mean, <laughs> yes. Facts. I just had to correct And be that still. And give Ace Hood his credit. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yes, your point is, is no. <laughs> yes, we live in a, a hustle culture, a grinding culture where we definitely I feel like and I try to tell this with my students too because uh, I'm I'm working at a very elite prestigious university where students definitely feel all of this pressure to to hustle and grind mm-hmm. and what they miss out on is space and time for not only well-being and self-care but space and time for reflection that will mm-hmm. give them like the the clarity and vision to further pursue their goals like when they're just they're just constantly doing stuff without even understanding like the purpose or mm-hmm. how are these things connected to, you know, what they want to do. So that's one thing that I try to instill in them, like breathe, please mm-hmm. take a step and just like breathe, sit back and breathe and like think about these experiences that you're having, having and how, what impact are they making on your life and how do they fit into this larger puzzle of where you're trying to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think, you know, also for me, this kind of resonates a lot because I'm trying to transition one career into another. And um, 
trying to figure out how not to serve both at the same time and like focus in on one. Um, and she talks about just not trying to do all things and be everything to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. cause that can be really exhausting. Have you guys ever tried to do or serve two masters? I know for me, like doing nursing and doing real estate, my passion lies in real estate. I love nursing, but I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like transitioning out into a different area of my life. And, um, that's been really difficult because, you know, you have to let go of the comfort of knowing like when you're going to get paid and, um, you know, who you're going to connect with and how you're honestly going to make a living when, you know, you're an independent contractor. Um, and so these are real big things to think about. Like, you don't just like stop what you're doing and just like, you can, it might, you know, it might be harder, but, um, it takes a lot of faith to do that, I think. And so Mm -hmm. it's been like challenging for me, but like, have you guys ever been in that, um, in that area where you've had to like, let go of one thing to like, go into something that you knew was meant for you Mm. going back to school yeah I guess going back to school I mean I was a working professional for you know however many years eight years before I went back to school I mean a student I think that transition was hard being going from full-time making my own money to being a student and have to living off student loans and and that type of stuff but once again, it was nice knowing, you know, at the end of it, I had, I'd have a job and my, mm-hmm. and my, um, my, I don't want to say just status, but like my whole like socioeconomic status mm-hmm. would be elevated. So mm-hmm. there was, there was a purpose for that transition. But I mean, in, in the, in the time, it was very hard to make that transition from being independent and doing my own thing to them having to be under, you know, I felt like a child again, um, at, the school I attended sometimes they treated us like children. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that transition was definitely hard, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my transition was that drastic. Um, one I'm still in school and still working full time. So there's pros and cons to that as well. Like I'm not losing out on income, but my time is definitely, Mm -hmm. um, compact but this also made me think about because of course we all love kev on stage and mm-hmm. you know his transition and actually him and his wife's transition from you know working the nine to five him mm-hmm. deciding that he wanted to like pursue like comedy and the creative space um and him wanting to like completely like jump into that um and his wife kind of being like the you know, practically like, okay, let's, let's figure out how we can gradually do this. So it wasn't like a completely quit, everybody quit our jobs and we're just going to do this. There was definitely a, a process where, you know, they had kids, so they had to think about, you know, the stability of their family as well. But if you look at them now, like both of them are in the creative space, don't have a nine to five, they're very successful building their their platform to elevate black creatives. Um, so I think their story is also really inspiring for me. I don't know if that would ever be my path, but I really enjoy seeing people mm-hmm. who clearly that, that was his calling. And, you know, his, if the stories that he would tell about, you know, him being on his nine to five, but like not doing no work, like it's clear he wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, but he had to figure out what is the best way to like get out of like this, 
the the crunch of the nine to five into what my purpose is without um crippling my family's financial situation so yeah. I think there's a lot of elements to that yeah um one of the questions she says you should ask yourself constantly is are you happy and I think I ask myself that question now more than ever um like I I feel like I've gotten to a place maybe it's wisdom or I'm just like at an age where I'm like you know what I don't have to put up with this I can talk with my feet if I'm not happy Mm -hmm. I don't have to be here I don't know I'm just a little bolder but like I I tend to ask that question a lot more now because I understand like my happiness is so much more important to me than fulfilling you know other people's you know wishes from from my life and so um but do you guys ask yourself that question like everything that you're doing like how often are you asking that daily (laughs) (laughs) good that's awesome I mean I mean I think that the follow-up question is like what are you going to do about it though Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. so it's easy to ask that question and people can and and I feel like especially in the work that I do and caring for others I I encounter people every day who aren't happy and then come to me and are like, what are you going to do about making me feel happy? I literally had someone ask me that yesterday. So like, can you make me happy? No, I can't make you happy. That's not my job. That's not my job. And, and so then, and, um, I'm still learning how to like take that space of like trying to make people happy all day because that's their expectation of me. Right. To then like, am I happy? And even in the space of trying to help help people, um, it's it's really can be very convoluted and and um, and draining. But I think at the end of the day, like, right, like the people come to me, are, how are you going to make me happy? It's like, how are you going to make you happy? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make me happy? Um, and I think also just with our culture and society, um, we focus a lot on happiness mm-hmm. where happiness is, can be fleeting mm-hmm. and where, um, and I'm not trying to like be hard on semantics because I really don't appreciate people who are like hardcore on, on semantics, but, um, my new goal is like, you know, I'm gonna have bad days and I'm going to have bad seasons that are more draining than filling. Um, but where is my joy coming from? And, mm-hmm. and what, where is this something that I'm supposed to be doing? Because not everything that I'm supposed to be doing is going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what our culture doesn't tell us. I think that's mm-hmm. what culture tells us that what you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these like hustle grind. Look at these like, oh, I sacrificed everything and now I'm a star. There's a lot of these stories. Right. And they're mm-hmm. beautiful stories. But like that doesn't happen for most people. Mm-hmm. And so and so it's like my am, am I going to lay in the foundation of like I'm walking in this appropriate path that's for me, even though I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now this is mm-hmm. not where I would put myself um because I think in our culture we just see people bounce around and jump around to be happy mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily that's why people aren't consistent there's no mm-hmm. follow there's not a lot of follow through mm-hmm. um and so mm-hmm. it's just yeah like am I mm-hmm. happy today no I'm not happy yesterday I was like no mm-hmm. this ain't I am done I'm done I'm done with these people I'm done doing, <laughs> done doing all of these things, mm-hmm. but I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So even though this was a hard week, I'm, I've 
I've got to figure, I've got to figure out how that, like these people that I'm taking care of are not going to be the reason why I should feel joy. Like I should be feeling joy just because I have the opportunity to be here mm-hmm. and be God's hands and feet in service and switching <sighs> that up. Yeah. And I think the, with the supposed to, I think sometimes we got to interrogate where, the, where does the supposed to come from? Like, is mm-hmm. this an internal supposed to that's connected to your purpose or is this an external supposed to based on societal standards, cultural standards, parents standards? Cause there's definitely, I'm right. thinking about relationships that I've been in because I felt like I was supposed to, because this person went to church and my family mm-hmm. knew them. So I feel like, right. Oh, well this just fits into like this, what I'm supposed to do box, but right. I wasn't happy. And mm-hmm. in hindsight, this person was also not contributing to my my value, my growth, and my purpose. So mm-hmm. thankfully, God had to remove that mm-hmm. <laughs> from me. So I think you also have to interrogate where what is this supposed to? This idea of supposed to, where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it an internal supposed to based on you knowing who you are, or is this an external supposed to based on what other people think you should do and who you should be? Amen. That's good. Overall, I think the book is amazing. Um, If you haven't read it, you should definitely read it um, and continue to support her and all the things that she has coming, um, coming out soon. I can't wait for this Disney plus show. Like I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited. Cause I'm like, that's about to be my whole life. on (laughs) Um, Y'all she, the, if you haven't watched the trailer, watch the trailer for first gen on YouTube it was released, I think, in yeah, 2015. And y'all, my mom and my dad had so many people call me to marry me, to date oh, me. Gosh. No. <laughs> my mom, y'all, you hot. Was, girl, you, you I a hot to, commodity, girl. Let me tell you something. I When I saw that on the trailer, I was like, oh my God, it's just not me. Like, <laughs> this happened to me too. My dad legit called me when that guy that I turned down, like I never talked to him, I talked to him once. He called me and said, you know, he's getting married. I'm like, okay. okay. It, this could have been you. And I was like, are you serious? Sir? That's like, funny. Why are you on my phone? Anyway. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. But um, wish him all the best. But yeah. So, um, but one of the, I want to leave y'all with like the, one of her favorite, um, her best compliment that she ever received, which is you make me want to be me when I grow up. And I felt that like, I was like, mm. oh, the book really does sum that up. I feel like. You can only be the best version of yourself and you should look forward to that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I know. That's awesome. You should look forward to that. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. This was really good. It was. I don't have time to read anything other than school (laughs) things right now, but I'm going to do like I've been doing um, and purchasing books to put on my shelf. um, So (laughs) when I do get my life back. There we go. <laughs> They'll be there for me to read. So we encourage you all out there to to check out Yvonne's book, um, Bamboozled by Jesus. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Bamboozled by Jesus, How yes. God Tricked Me into the Life of My Dreams. Yes. So check out her book. Check out the trailer for First Gen on YouTube. Watch Insecure. My goodness. Definitely. Yes. And she also has a, a comedy special so just check out all of the things that she's been doing she's hilarious and she seems to have just such a great spirit so i really enjoyed you know following her work um so we encourage you to do the same 
So with that, we want to thank you for tuning into another episode of Church Days. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Church Days. Leave us a comment and let you know what you thought of this episode. You can share, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Special shout out to Caroline, our production assistant and intern extraordinaire, and we will catch y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.